Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Pac-12 commissioned a task force in order to find a way for smart change in college athletics. And uh, they released their findings, and this is right before the NCAA tournament. Uh, the the Pac-12 task force recommended changing NCAA rules to allow players who are drafted to remain eligible to play in college basketball if they don't sign a pro contract, allow them while in school to get advice from agents, also similar to NCAA rules for college baseball players. Also allow schools to pay for expenses for athletes' families in cases of demonstrated financial aid. They want to hold regional combines in July. The coaches could attend these for recruiting purposes, but would be prohibited from attending traditional AAU tournaments held during the same month. That's interesting. Trying to eliminate AAU or the uh, or or you know the meat market idea of AAU. Um, expanding the number of visits, five-year junior year, five-year senior year, to make a more maybe well-rounded decision to farm out the NCAA's enforcement process creating educational seminars and mentoring programs uh, for recruits and their families, require full disclosure of contracts between schools, coaches, and shoe companies. That's fascinating as well. Let's welcome in Larry Skies, Commissioner of the Pac-12. Um, look, there's a bunch of findings that your task force found. What do you think is the easiest to implement? Well, the uh, easiest to implement are the ones that the uh, NCAA can control. You know, uh, we're calling on the NBA and NBA Players Association to do some things, too. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, the recruiting calendar, the recruiting rules, uh, educational efforts, things of that nature are completely within the control of the schools. And it's just a question of the will 
to do these things and throwing the resources at it and, and making a commitment. So, you know, a lot of the things in there um, are very doable and doable in a, in a reasonably short period of time. I think the most complicated are the ones where we need the NBA and NBA Players Association uh, to, to step up and be part of the solution. All right, well, that, that's in, in regards to the one and done. It's commonly misassociated with the NCAA, and that's really an, that's an NBA and NBAPA collectively bargained upon rule that you have to go to school for one year or, uh, or you know, be it, and be 19 years old in order to apply for the NBA draft. You can go to the G League straight out of, of high school, play for a year before applying for the NBA draft. Let me play for you, Larry, something that Steve Kerr said last week, a simple solution he found, he found that uh, could, could help make the entire situation better. I also think one of the things the NCAA needs to look at is uh, if a kid signs with an agent and declares for the draft and he doesn't get drafted, welcome him back, you know. Why not? What's the, what's the harm? You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about all this, uh, you know, amateurism and all this stuff, but if we're, if we're truly trying to do the right thing for the kid and a kid declares for the draft and doesn't, doesn't get drafted and realizes, you know what, I should go to college, Welcome him back. Do something good for the kids, and and uh, don't just kind of uh, keep this ruse going. It's you know, it's we all know what's going on, and let's do what's best for the kids and give them some options and work together between the NBA and the NCAA and uh, find the right system. I think it's entirely doable if everybody just opens their eyes. Larry, do you agree or disagree? Completely agree. And so we've incorporated Steve's suggestion. In our recommendations, I've spoken to him about it, and you know, I consider Steve Kerr one of the most thoughtful leaders, certainly in basketball, and very influential. So, in our uh, recommended reforms, you know, we want the NBA and NBA Players Association to give these young men a choice, let them declare for the draft out of high school. But if they wind up not being drafted as high as they think, and you know, there are a lot of a lot of kids out there that have an overinflated sense of their ability and might think they're going to go high in the draft and they find out they're drafted low or maybe a G League player or an NBA player, we're proposing the rules allow them, if they don't sign a contract to go play for a team, it would allow them to maintain their eligibility and choose to be a student athlete in, instead. Then if they come to college, that's great. Like baseball, like football, after their junior year, they can go out for the draft again. So we've incorporated Steve's suggestions into our proposal. Okay, well, he also said, I, I believe he also mentioned that if you are in college and you declared for the draft and you didn't get drafted, you could then come back. Is that because the problem with that and even the problem with declaring for the for the draft and then going to school is the timeline's all screwy, right? Like if you're a coach, if you're a coach, uh, you're, the, the draft's not until the end of June after the NBA playoffs. And, you know, you're, you, you got to have everybody on campus. Many teams have kids on campus in the summer getting ready for their freshman year. If not, you're on campus in August into September. But you got to know who you're going to have, who you're not going to have. How do, you, how do you alleviate that part of yeah. the issue? Well, yeah, this is no small give uh, by the NCAA and, and the schools. I mean, it'll wreak havoc for our coaches in trying to figure out what their roster is like, how to allocate their scholarships. Uh, but, you know, I think we're at the point where we have to look at this from the student-athlete's perspective and doing what's right. And, you know, coaches will adapt. They won't like it, but they'll have to adapt. I, I guess my thought is, Larry, and, you know, having an agent is the kids have the information. They just oftentimes, like most of us when we're that age, we choose to not use it, right? Like 
I understand it's, you know, that you, you, we can tell them you're not going to get drafted, you're not going to get drafted, you shouldn't put your name in the draft, but they do it anyway. Um, and we're, we're talking about such a small number of student-athletes now as opposed to the larger number. I, I understand that social media and the media itself will tell you to adjust, but is it really that necessary? Well, there's also a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, first-class agents out there doing the right thing, giving the kids great information, accurate information. Some of them won't listen to it. But there's also a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, aren't, don't necessarily have the kids' best interests at heart that are persuading them to go, telling them what they want to hear. We don't want kids to um, make bad choices, make mistakes, and forego the possibility of an education because they made a mistake or, or made a poor choice. So I don't know exactly how we're going to have to adjust our system to allow them to come back to school and maintain their eligibility if they don't find out till you know late in the spring that they've got a kid uh, actually coming back that they thought was going to the NBA. But I think we can figure it out. You are not, and the task forces, they're not proponents of either pay-for-play or, or of the Olympic model, correct? Absolutely not pay for play. I mean, we, the task force states, you know, firmly believe in the collegiate model, believe it should be students, not employees. Um, you know, would like to see the NBA build up the G League so that if you want to get paid to play basketball, go play in the NBA or go play in a minor league, you know, that pays you decently in the G League. That's the role of the NBA. The role of college sports is to educate young men and women and if, if they want to come not to get paid. So um, firmly on that side, vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Olympic model, some ideas have been floated around that. It was not part of the mandate of our committee because, as you know, Doug, it's currently being litigated. Uh, so we're not floating ideas in something that's in the courts right now. Larry Scott joining us. Uh, last thing, I, I can't help but, uh, but, but bring up the fact USC did finish in second place in your league, did get left out of the NCAA tournament. It should be pointed out that uh, while they played really well, they, they were swept by UCLA. They, did, they didn't beat Arizona. They didn't beat Arizona State. And because you, didn't, you, don't have the, you don't have even schedules, you know, you're not playing everyone twice, second place can be a little bit disingenuous because you, you're, not, you're not playing as difficult a schedule in some cases as other teams. How much of this do you think comes from the FBI investigation? How much of it do you think comes from being the Pac-12 in time zone? I'm, I'm wondering, now that you have a chance to catch your breath and think about USC's exclusion from the NCAA tournament and some of the four seeds, Arizona wins your league, wins the league tournament, only gets a four seed, what you think is behind the league being viewed as such? Yeah, look, I've uh, heard what the chairman of the committee had to say. I've spoken to some other, other people. I, I've got no reason to believe that you know, the issues around USC and their assistant coach uh, had anything to do with it. Likewise for Arizona, I think... The committee chairman gave a clear explanation as to what they were looking at. They placed a lot of value on non-conference wins against teams that were in the tournament. USC didn't have a lot of those, but they did have an impressive performance within our conference. Um, and so, and, and, and as a result, you know, I, I don't think it's a Pac-12 issue because while USC was disrespected and their conference performance was not valued, Arizona State got in the tournament. And Arizona State was the eighth team in our league. I don't hear anyone saying, you know, wow, the Pac-12 was really uh, inflated in their value because their eighth team got in. I think the committee's been consistent 
in valuing higher um, individual wins you had against tournament teams, especially if they were away or a neutral site, and I think they consistently applied that. The conclusion I'm left with, Doug, is I don't like the criteria that mm-hmm. they used. I think, I think the pendulum has swung a little bit too far. I think big wins in November compared to who are the best teams in the country come March um, ought to be you know, re- recalibrated. I, you know, I watch these teams all year. And if you watch USC during our tournament, you know, where they were dominant on their way to the championship game, they were beating Arizona, who, you know, is a Final Four caliber team. Uh, they were beating Arizona at halftime. I mean, they look like a tournament team for anyone that watched them. So um, I don't quibble with the decisions the committee made and the explanations. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look forward, and we're going to engage in a conversation about tweaking the criteria because I do think there should be a higher value on the complete body of work and how you look in March going into March Madness compared to six months prior catching teams at the beginning of their season. Uh, what about expanding the number of, 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 of conference games? Uh, that is something we have put on the table, and I would like to see happen. I'd like to see our teams play each other more, have less of this imbalanced schedule, especially you know, sometimes our teams have to buy by teams to come in and play against them. I think it's better for the student-athletes, better for our fans, better for the strength of our conference to play more against each other. So we're going to be evaluating whether we move from 18 to 20 conference games. Great stuff. Larry Scott, the task force uh, findings have been released. You can find those online. Larry, look forward to seeing UCLA play. Obviously, get a chance to see uh, Arizona play a little bit later on this week. Best of luck to your conference, and thanks for joining us on Fox Sports Radio. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.